We're saddling up this pony called the Carolina Outdoors and glad that you're riding in the back. Bill Barty on this side, West Lawson. Where is West Lawson? He is in Jesse Brown's Outdoors. For those of you who are just joining us here on the Carolina Outdoors, we come in each week to talk about the different outdoor activities and events that you can participate in. Along the way, we get to talk to people who influence outdoor activities, who have knowledge in outdoor pursuits, who are adventure seekers and share those adventures with us on the Carolina Outdoors. But during the day, we hang our hats at Jesse Brown's. Of course, this time of year, exceptionally busy. Wes is over there during this taping at Jesse Brown's, and I get to come into Studio D. So who's listening to the Carolina Outdoors? It is all of those people who are seeking their own personal adventure, whatever it is. Um, they are also listening to us via the airwaves of WBT Radio. If you are listening to us then, Merry Christmas to you because it is Christmas Day. If you're listening to us via podcast highlights of the Carolina Outdoors, then Merry whatever season it is for you when you are listening. We're talking a little bit about some of the seasons that are upcoming, and one of them is an addictive hunting sport for many. And we're going to get the lowdown and laydown of this sport right now. So here in the Carolinas and across the country, meteorologists have us listed as being um, extremely warm. And, of course, many of you know about the fires that we had a month or so ago, and we had a no fire burn in effect due to low water. Those things are going on. But how do they affect hunting? We know low water, how it affects fishing. Many times we talk about that, but right now we're going to talk a little bit about hunting. With that being said, we're going to invite our friend Jimmy Dobes on. He's with Southeast Specialty Outdoors. He is the principal of that rep firm representing Thomas & Thomas Fly Rods, Hatch Fly Reels, High and Dry Floatant, and many other things. He's a friend of Jesse Brown's, a friend of the Carolina Outdoors. Jimmy, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you. Well, man, it is great to have you, especially for our duck hunters out there. And many of them may be waking up early, going out for a little bit of scouting, hitting the duck blind, setting out decoys, that sort of thing. But what we're finding these days, uh, Jimmy, is unseasonably warm weather and lower water, which maybe both is the answer, but which of those is more important in the pursuit of duck? I would say, great question, Bill. I would have to say that the main driving factor in whether or not we have a great hunting season really depends on weather. Wind and cold temps has always been our, our magic ticket, if you will, to having a great season. Um, this year, we've we've got a lot of agriculture. We've had some great crops across the country. So there's plenty of food for our waterfowl to eat on their migration from Canada south, uh, which is a great thing for the ducks, but sometimes it can be a little bit of a tough thing for hunters like ourselves in the southern United States. Um, what we really need is some really cold temps to freeze up the water and, and get some good snowfall down to kind of cover and freeze up all the few all the food that's out on the agricultural fields, all the leftover grain and so forth that's been left from the harvest. 
that's the meal ticket for those guys right now. And until we can cover that up, take it away from them, they're not going to come south right now, unfortunately. Um, they're they're enjoying their unseasonably warm weather just as much as we are. Uh, well, you hinted at a little something that we want to delve in. Of course, you're talking to us here on the Carolina Outdoors right now from Middle Tennessee, but you have hunted ducks everywhere from coastlines to uh, uh, small beaver dam ponds. Um, talk to us about the, the, the flyway for these ducks. You mentioned um, Kansas and flying south, and, and you know, uh, western Tennessee is such a a famed uh, flyway, as well as Arkansas, th- through that corridor. Will you give us an idea of this this migratory uh, bird and how they travel? Yeah, absolutely. You, you've, you've got a couple different flyways as you go across the United States, from the Atlantic, the Mississippi, the you know outside the Rocky Mountains and the in the far west coast. But um, you know, most of most of what I experience is going to be there on the Atlantic side or the Mississippi side. Um, and we're hunters are it, they're having reasonable success across you know kind of where we're doing most of our hunting here in the southeast. Um, a lot of it will base off of weather fronts, and if you have a nice you know cold front push in, you'll have some some activity and and some more migrational patterns. But what we're experiencing right now is is a lot of resident ducks, as we call it, um, and in West Tennessee and and Arkansas in those areas have historically had such great managed waterfowl and waterfowl habitat, more importantly, that they have an amazing resident population of, of unique waterfowl over there. So those guys are still getting, most of the action that they're getting is going to be on resident ducks and, um, you know, basically trying to intersect these, these animals in between their, you know, where they're roosting at night and then where they're feeding during the day. Um, it's, it's very similar to deer hunting or anything else where the you, you basically if you want to have success right now, you need to be sitting where they're feeding because where they're hanging out and where they're roosting at night, it's not going to be where you're going to have a lot of action most of the day. Um, and then it also has really seemed like first thing in the morning is when you're going to get most of your activity. And after that, these birds are just going to be resting out on the lakes and ponds and wherever they can find a little bit of refuge throughout the day so most of it is going to be kind of keyed in on weather patterns and early morning activity then you can spend the rest of the day kind of hanging out with the family (laughs) well i like that Uh, but with that of course jimmy here on the carolina outdoors we have a lot of hardcore hunters who are heading out right now if they're listening to us early on a saturday morning uh they've got their waders ready they're heading out to the duck blind For many people who are listening to the Carolina Outdoors, this is a whole new concept. They've heard about it. They know Elmer Fudd's, you know, how all that works. It's rabbit season. No, it's duck season. It's rabbit season. It's duck season. But that's all they know about duck hunting. Do you mind taking us on a a quick duck hunt into the blind, if you will, uh, putting out our decoys, uh, a a pre trip scouting um and and then getting your limit before you go scout where you're going to set up the next day if you're duck hunting like that am i hitting all the points and will you share what i'm what i'm leaving behind as we head out for a duck hunt absolutely you you pretty much nailed everything on the head from a from a keynote standpoint um the the most important thing that that any duck guy is going to tell you is is put in some time 
trying to find and scout where the ducks are wanting to be. Um, they're go- they're going to have their favorite spots. You know, we like to you know we all have our favorite restaurants. We like to go to birds, deer, whatever it is, wild animal. They all have their favorite spots that they like to go to as well. Whether that's based off of nutritional value, uh, safety, uh, you know, ease of accessibility, what have you, they're all going to have their favorite choices, and they're all going to change. And putting in some legwork now to figure out where these birds are migrating through is going to pay huge dividends when you go to set up your blind in the morning. And where a lot of these birds are going to in the afternoon, they're not going there in the morning. Mm. So if, if folks are really want to get out of the house and they want a full day of hunting, you can hunt the morning in one spot. You can hunt the afternoon in a second spot. They're going to be a little bit of a change up between the two. Um, first thing I'd recommend, like I said, is scouting and then get there early the following morning. You found your spot. You're pretty excited about it. You know, like, Hey, I'm going to get some action here. When you get there in the morning, make sure you get there 30 minutes to an hour prior to shooting light. When you get to your blind, first thing you want to do is start getting those decoys out. You always want to make sure you're set up early rather than late. And as you're setting up your decoys, be extremely mindful of the wind direction. Um, Ducks love to land flying into the wind. It kind of helps them cheat and gives them a little bit of a an easier landing when they when they can cup up and float into the wind versus having to land against the wind. Um, so that they love kind of flying, like I said, flying into the wind. They can park their brakes. They can slow down and make sure you leave an opening for them. So as you're laying your decoys out, make sure you've got a little landing zone for those guys to come into so they don't feel like they're landing on top of one another. Um, that's kind of my, my two biggest pet peeves right there. Um, and once you've kind of got what you think is good, you've got a little bit of motion out there. I wouldn't, you know, late season like it is now, I wouldn't use a lot of winged decoys. And if I do, I'd like to have them on a remote control. Um, I, I love gadgets. I'm, I'm one of the many men who likes just tinkering with toys and having things that I can have on a remote control or what have you. So whenever I see birds coming in and I've got my winged motions that get their attention, as soon as they start committing, I turn them off. I don't want to do anything out of the ordinary to risk spooking them. And I kind of figure by the time they've made it this far south, they've seen about every trick and dog and pony (laughs) show along the way. And there's a lot of hunters out there that are a lot better than I am that they've, that they've crossed along the way. So I, try to be as just as a gentle discreet all natural approach as i can very subtle calling just enough to get their attention to let them know i'm down there and then i kind of go quiet well that's um, what i wanted I, to, do, I wanted to ask ahead, you Dale. that next because uh, and if you're just joining us here on the carolina outdoors we are in for the treat that jimmy dobes is and sharing these uh tidbits of how to duck hunt whether it be in the Carolinas, whether it be at the coast, or whether it be in in Arkansas or West Tennessee along the Mississippi. Um, But, Jimmy, with all of that, in your career as a guide and just as an avid duck hunter, um, technology has advanced so that you do have robotic decoys uh, on call and able to use those um, with remote control. But the the, um, advent of or workmanship of calling – 
and call makers and, and that sort of thing, you're saying that we can take it easy with our wooden or ceramic, whatever kind of duck calls that we're using, um, we don't have to overcall, similar to uh, trying to bring in a turkey during the spring hunt. We should come at it the same way, really, with minimal or subtle use of the duck call. It's it's definitely an application specific approach. Um, I, I think a lot of hunters that are not hunting in very aggressive areas, and I'll get to that in a second, uh, really prefer to to go a little bit more subtle. Um, you know, these mm-hmm. these birds have been educated. They've kind of got their wits about them. They're always looking over their shoulder now to make sure everything is legit before they come down and land. So I prefer a little bit more of a subtle approach to it. Um, But on the opposite, if some of these folks that are hunting in West Tennessee and Real Foot and over in Arkansas and Missouri, it's an entirely different approach over there. It's a lot more aggressive. There's a lot mm. what they call highballing and, and things where you're just screaming at ducks that are that are very high up. And a lot of that approach is from a timber aspect where you've got to get their attention as they're flying by very quickly to get them to come in and check out what you have to offer. And then you combine that with the sheer volume of other hunters that are out there, and, and it becomes pretty aggressive and and it can be a quite an quite an experience to say the least um over there and when when the hunting is great it's probably some of the most amazing things you'll ever see and when it's not it's just a normal day of duck hunting but um over there you know kind of like it seems like with the mississippi flyway folks are a lot more aggressive when you go more towards the atlantic flyway or kind of in the you know where i'm at in middle tennessee it's it's a little bit more of a conservative approach Hey, talk to us. You've been doing this long enough, and and especially for our listeners here on the Carolina Outdoors, talk to us about duck blinds. We talk about decoys and how they have advanced over the past 100, 200 years from wooden carvings to now being remote controlled potentially. What's the most minimalistic duck blind that you've ever been in? Can you give us a description of it? Absolutely. You, you you don't need a whole lot at the end of the day. Um, I've sat in everything from just a, a basic fold-out camp chair and the reeds on the side of a pond to just laying burlap over my drift my fiberglass drift boat and hunting out of the rower seat. Um, the, the key is as long as you don't move and you're relatively covered up, you're fine. But the second you start moving, that's when the game changes. Um, so some of these decoy, or excuse me, some of these blinds and things now they they're they have automatic buttons to open the gates. You've got giant levers to pop open hinges, and it it's really just it's almost an engineering marvel to see what these guys and these contraptions that they come up with with their blinds. It's truly truly amazing. And every year that I go out and I hunt and I see different things that guys have have put up in their blinds, is it's just amazing. I think for me that is almost as much of a fun part of the sport as hunting itself is to get to see all the cool contraptions. And, you know, all of us, you know, that are listening to the show, we all have different jobs. We all have different professions. We all have different things that we're good at. And some folks are really good at electrical engineering or mechanical, you know, engineering and 
some of the stuff that they put in their blinds is, I mean, I've seen bicycle chains that are 100 feet long with a handheld wheel on it where they can literally attach an old beat-up mallard, mounted mallard decor that they had, you know, maybe in their house that's just, you know, the wife is thrown in the garage. Well, now they put a loop on it, they hung it on a bicycle chain, and they're wheeling this thing through the sky like a flying duck. I mean, <laughs> the things these guys come up with are they're amazing, and I'm sure that they work, and it's it's just it's ever so changing, and that's what makes it pretty cool. Well, so is the is the fanciest? Uh, I asked you about the most minimalistic duck blind. Is the fanciest one the one with uh, the Mister Coffee in it and the uh, the um, DVD player as well? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and an eight burner gas stove. Uh, you know, a little mini oven in there. Everybody has their own little um, air duct for a heater that comes out to make sure their feet don't get cold. Oh yeah, it's it's a production. Well, you've uh, is, uh, of course you've guided celebrities and people of means, and you've hunted with them as well as well as uh, the, you know the fellow you went to junior high school with. So you've. Uh, You've done it across the board and are sharing with us here on the Carolina Outdoors. Uh, last, before we uh, run out of time, Jimmy, i got to ask you about this, because we've talked about decoys, talked about blinds. You've been in the equipment business, whether it be for hunting or fly fishing, and again, friend of Jesse Brown's, you co- uh, cover the southeast with this stuff. Talk to us about the newer waders whether they're camo or not we have moved away a bit from neoprene it seems and are now now going to uh like a waterproof breathable wader is that what you're seeing in the in the duck hunting world as well absolutely absolutely especially with the trends and these warmer temps that we're experiencing in the last decade or so the the trend here in the southeast and this is, might be a little different up north because it does tend to stay a lot colder mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know kind of in the mid-atlantic and so forth but breathable waders are key it's almost what we would consider to be a fourth season waiter you can use them year-round and in the in the rare instances where we do get those cold polar vortexes and things that blast down out of the north um, they're using the same breathable waiter concept because they're you, you're not restricted in your movement. They're a lot more comfortable and so forth. We can go on and on down the line. But now add a Prima Loft liner uh, to those mm-hmm. waders, and now you've you've reinvented the wheel, so to speak. It's very big up in the north and the northwest where they actually need you know, Prima Loft insulated waders and things for the cold weather savvy folks. And then us down here in the south, we we don't like it cold. So when we do get a slight snap of a cool breeze, we like those waders too because we like to be nice and comfy. Um, I'm not a big guy, so I like to, I like to be as much insulated as I can when I get out there in those colder months because I can't stand it as long as some of those other folks can. <laughs> so any, any little bit of insulation or advantage that I can use to stay a little longer in the field, I'm going to try and do it. He's been a fly guide, a, a duck guide, and an avid hunter and fisherman as well as working in the industry. His name, Jimmy Dobes from South, Southeast Specialty Outdoors. Jimmy, thank you for being on the Carolina Outdoors and sharing your wisdom with us. Anytime, Bill. Thanks for having me. Off he goes and off we go. But just for a moment, we're going to come back with more of the Carolina Outdoors.